Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to worship with you if you're watching online. It's great to have you with us as well. I personally love the start of a new year. Can you believe it's 2023? 2023, it's crazy, but I love the start of a new year. And even though we live in Michigan and there's not much to get excited about in January, one thing we can get excited about is leaving the past behind us and moving towards what's ahead. And for some reason, I don't know why, but the start of a new year just makes it feel easier to put the past behind you. Past failures, regrets, mistakes, It just feels like it's easier to put that in the past and move into something new, something fresh, something hopeful. It's not like anything really changed from December 31st to January 1st, really. I mean, the choices we made in December still are going to have consequences in January, but for some reason, when that calendar turns from 31st old to January 1st, new, it just feels like it's easier to move towards something new, to make fresh goals, to put old habits behind us. And we're in a series called One Thing, and we're looking at a few of the wisest people in Scripture, and we're, we're looking at passages where they use this phrase, one thing. How many people know if someone wise says, hey, one thing you should do, I'm getting my notes out and I'm writing it down because something good is about to come out of their mouth. And today I want to look at what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.13. He says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but One thing I do, here it comes, big wisdom bomb about to drop. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain toward what's in front of me. I move forward. This is a big, amazing thing that should set a lot of us free from the past mistakes we've made and regrets that we have. Now, when Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he was on house arrest in Rome. He was not allowed to leave, but people could visit him People could bring him things, they could send him gifts, they could take care of his needs, and while he was there, he would talk to everybody who came to see him, and he would impart wisdom. And this is where he wrote this book. And you got to think when you're on house arrest, only because you're guilty of one thing, and that's being a Christian, and he's on house arrest, he can't really leave, he can't do much, but what can you do when when you have a lot of time on your hands as you start to ponder, right? You start to think about your life. 
And for Paul in this moment, he didn't know how much life he had in front of him. He's in chains for the gospel. He could be put to death just like Jesus was. It was a time of big persecution against the church. So he's thinking about this in his last days on earth. Man, what kind of wisdom could I impart to people? What did they need to hear? And he starts to think, well, you know, one thing that I have to do in my own life is forget about the past. And you see, Paul had a lot he regretted in life. I mean, we know a few things before he was an apostle, before he was a Christian, before he converted to Christianity. He was a Jewish Pharisee. And he was leading the charge on persecuting the church. Leading the charge. After Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and people were starting to spread this message, he tried to put an end to it. He imprisoned Christians and he even was there when the stoning of Stephen happened. In fact, he gave his approval to go ahead and stone Stephen, this man of God, and he put him to death just for being a Christian. So Paul's thinking about his past. And he probably had other regrets and other mistakes. And he was known as the person who formerly persecuted the church. This is what he was known for. Isn't that Saul who used to persecute the church? How bad do you think he wanted to shed that nickname? The past just kept coming up for Paul. Isn't this the guy who, who put Stephen to death? Isn't this the guy who was putting Christians in prison? Isn't this the guy trying to end this sect, this cult of Christianity? He didn't want to be known for that. He, hey, if I'm the Apostle Paul, I'm saying, hey, you know, I did heal a few people. You know, can, can I be Paul the healer? You know, I did, I did get a few people to put their faith in Christ. Can I be Paul, you know, the evangelist, the apostle? So everywhere he went, his past was constantly being thrown in his face. In fact, the Bible talks about, if you read the book of Acts, you know, wherever he would go, it said there would be Jewish people that stirred up trouble. And I believe these were his old acquaintances, his old friends that he used to do life with. They said, oh, no, you don't. You're not going to convert and think that you're going to get past us. So he says, this one thing I got to do. I got to forget the past and move forward. I want everyone in here right now to close your eyes for a second. Don't fall asleep on me. I want you to think about the biggest mistake of your life. Aren't you glad you came here this morning? <laughs> I want you to think about a blunder that you made, something you wish you could take back. Just think about it. What kind of feelings 
are coming to your mind right now, to your heart? Maybe your heart's beating a little faster. Maybe guilt, shame. How does it make you feel? You can go ahead and open your eyes right now. You see, regrets about our past can do a lot of damage to us because it's so hard to let go of them. I'll never forget one of the greatest gifts my parents ever gave me. They probably regret giving me this gift later. But one of the greatest gifts they gave me was a wrist rocket. I think I was 10 or 12 years old. And I got this wrist rocket for my birthday. And I'll never forget the day my friend and I discovered that the cranapple tree in our front yard made perfect ammo for the wrist rocket. In fact, whatever you would pull back and fling at, it would put a red spot right on whatever you hit. So my friend and I decided to have target practice one day from my front yard to the neighbor's yard across the street. She had this big ranch with this yellow siding right above her garage, yellow. And I remember we were, we started painting that thing. Boom, boom. I mean, it looked like it had the measles. There had to be a hundred red spots. On this. And we thought it was so funny. We just kept pegging this thing over and over and over again. For some reason at that age, I didn't put together in my mind that that was actually someone's home. <laughs> they lived there and they might not be happy with what we just did. And sure enough, the next day, this little old lady, I felt so bad. This little old lady barely can walk across the street. She comes over, she rings our doorbell, and I hear my parents go to the door, and I'm like listening in the background, and she says, hey, you know, I happened to witness your son and his friend like over and over and over again hit my house with their wrist rocket and these cran apples, and can you just look at what they did? And um, I can <laughs> just remember my parents' face like, oh my gosh. So, that was the last time I used that wrist rocket for a while, and I did have to go clean up that lady's house, and it was very difficult, but I regretted it, right? As soon as I found out there was a person that I had offended, that I had hurt, or that was not happy with something that I did, I was instantly, I instantly regretted it. Well, as much as a 12-year-old boy can regret something like that. But I did. And that's the thing about regret, and that's the thing about the past, is it seems like fun or not harming at the time, but then we instantly regret it. Now, I could tell you a lot worse stories of failures and blunders in my life, but I didn't think anyone really wanted to hear that this morning. Maybe some of you, but. We all have these things, and here's the issue. If we hold them in, if we hold guilt, shame, about our past regrets, mistakes, if we cannot forgive ourselves, it will literally do emotional and physical damage to our bodies. In fact, I was doing some research and I came across a scientific journal and this is a quote from this journal, it says this. When you experience guilt or regret, it can begin to close off important systems in your body that are responsible for healing. 
Guilt and regret are both very powerful emotions that represent feelings of resentment and might lead to self-punishment. The lack of forgiveness is emotionally and physically damaging. So it's not just like, hey, I probably should let that go. It's like, no, I need to let that go or my body isn't going to operate properly. In fact, emotional stress can lead to these symptoms. Insomnia, depression, feeling anxious, outbursts of anger and rage, and mood swings. It can also lead to physical pain. This is, this is just regret and not being able to forgive ourselves can lead to physical pain like arthritis, back pain, shoulder pain, heart disease, high blood pressure, and even some forms of cancer. This is why it's so important. Maybe now we're understanding why Paul said, one thing you need to do is forget the past and move forward. And this is why the Bible spends so much time on letting things go. This is why Jesus came to the cross to be the final sacrifice of sin and rise from the dead so that we don't have to deal with guilt and shame the way the world does. We can actually be forgiven, redeemed, healed from our past. This is why in Psalm 32, 5, I think think this is an amazing scripture. David writes this, and David made some big blunders in life. We know what he did. If in case you don't know what David did, he was a king of Israel, he committed adultery, and then had the woman's husband killed to cover it all up. Pretty bad. And he was a man of God. This is what he says in Psalm 32, 5. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you, did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. This is the beauty of Christianity, everybody. We don't just get forgiven from the past, but the guilt of it as well. There's a physical act, but then there's an emotional one as well. The guilt, the shame. And I know it's hard sometimes that some people are like, he shouldn't ever be forgiven for what he did or what she did. I want them to feel guilty. I want them to feel that shame. And I want that shame to do emotional and physical damage to that person. It's easy to think like that in our flesh. But the truth is when we get like that, we got to remember how much we've been forgiven for. So today what I want to do is because I know that there's so many people in here that maybe have something that's in your past that you have just been having a hard time letting go of. It's the start of the new year. I wanna give you some hope. And sometimes it's like, okay, I should forgive myself, but how do I do that? I know I should do that, but how? I'm gonna give you four ways this morning to forgive yourself from the past and move forward. Number one is accept it. You gotta accept the past. You got to accept the fact that you are a human being and you cannot change the past. You got to accept the fact that all of us fall short and we all make mistakes. In fact, 
when you look through the long lineage of amazing men and, God, men and women of God in the Bible, they made mistakes. Let me read you this list real quick. You might have read this on the internet at some point, but it says this. Noah got drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a cheater, Moses was a murderer and couldn't speak, Gideon was afraid, Samson had no self-control, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David had an affair, Elijah was suicidal, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job went bankrupt and experienced devastating loss, John the Baptist eight bugs, something, he did something weird. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Paul was a murderer, and Lazarus was dead. We all have a past. No one's exempt. Greatest men and women of the Bible are not exempt. They just kept turning towards God and kept seeking Him despite their failure. They accepted it. That doesn't mean we accept sin and like we don't try to not live our lives in a holy or pure way, but when we can't change something about the past, at some point we have to accept the fact it's not changing, we did that, and it's there, it's part of our story, but it doesn't have to define our future. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone is sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You know, when I used to read this, like 20 years ago, I used to think that that verse said we all have fallen short of the glory of God. Like once or twice, but it doesn't. It says we all fall short, present tense which means we will continue to make blunders. We will continue to fall short of God's glory standard. So learning how to move forward after mistake is crucial if you are going to like yourself and feel good about your Christian walk with God. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There are so many verses I could quote in the Bible telling us that we shouldn't have condemnation for ourselves that we're forgiven, that we're redeemed, that we're a son, that we're a daughter, that we're co-heirs with Christ, that the Spirit of God lives in us, that we're redeemed, set free, as far as the east is from the west, that's as far as God's removed our sin from us. So we've got to accept it. We cannot change the past. That's number one. Number two is we need to confess it. We need to confess it. You see, it's the secret things that are shoved deep down inside of us that nobody knows about that will actually bring about the most emotional and physical pain in our bodies. And this is why I believe there's a lot in the Bible about confession, confessing our sins to God and confessing our sins to one another. 
These are both verses. In fact, I'll read them for you. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. James 5, 1, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. These are two very interesting verses. And when you come to Christ, it's crucial. If I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, I will be saved, right? That's what the Bible says. If I confess my sin and move forward, he redeems me. And the thing that I personally believe is that at that moment when we first come to Christ and we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that he is Lord, he saves us, he redeems all of our past sin, but he knows our present and future sin as well. And he redeems all of that. So why do we need to confess it moving forward? Well, I don't think we have to confess it because there's this holy God and and he's gonna like, if if you don't confess every single sin that you've ever committed in your life, that's gonna, you know, send you to hell. I I don't believe that. I believe that he wants us to confess our sin to get it out of our bodies. If you confess with your mouth, when you get it out, think about it this way. There's a God. If you're a Christian, you have this supernatural being, God, and he's looking and watching your every move. I remember being a kid freaked out about this, right? God, don't give up on me. But he's watching your every move, so he knows your sin, right? He knows what no one else knows. But then this God offers you forgiveness. All you've got to do is get it out of you. And he gives you an opportunity to say, hey, just confess it to me. You know what it'll do? It'll make you feel better. I'll tell you what, every time I've sinned in my Christian walk, and it's been pretty much daily, (laughs) and I ask God for forgiveness, I feel a weight off. And and like I said, I don't believe that those sins, if left unconfessed, won't be redeemed by God. I believe that God's going, just get it out to me. And I'm going to take that sin and I'm going to throw it as far as the east is from the west. This is the reason Jesus died. You don't have to live with the guilt. You don't have to live with the shame anymore. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The law of the Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. It's free. It's free to get it out of you. James 5, 1, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I believe this is talking about healed from emotional pain that can lead to physical pain and sickness in our bodies. Get it out to one another. Confess it. Get it out in the open. Don't try to keep it and do this life alone because it's going to eat away at your inside till you get it out. Also, I believe this verse is talking about if you've offended someone, if you knowingly have hurt someone else, go confess it to them so that you guys can heal and be reconciled. 
Very important, very important truth. That's number two. Number three is this, learn from your mistake. Man, we gotta learn. Why did you make that mistake? At this point in my life, at 42 years old, I'm more interested in why people behave a certain way than, than the actual behavior. You know, as I'm, when I was in my 20s, I had this huge justice side of me. I still do. But man, when someone did something that offended me or offended someone else, I mean, something raged in me. As I get older, I'm starting to ask more questions. Why did that person behave the way they behaved? What's going on inside of them? What was their upbringing like? What kind of trauma does they have in their life? You see, not all of us were raised in the same environment. An environment matters. If we don't think environment matters, we don't know behavior modification, what comes with behavior. You're raised in a peaceful home with a mom and dad who love you, who provide for you, who encourage you, who give you what you need, who challenge you to be better. You're going to thrive in life. You're going to react differently than a person who was abandoned, abused, hurt every day of their life in the crucial years. So it's easy to judge a behavior without asking why. Why does a person behave a certain way? Why do they do? We have to learn why we are doing this. Why when that person walks in the room do I react a certain way? Why, what are the triggers in my life and where are they coming from? What caused me to make this mistake? Was it a substance abuse issue? Was, were my inhibitions lowered? Were, was I sad? Was I angry? Was I triggered? Was I thinking about past trauma? If we don't know why, we can't learn and move forward. That's why people get caught in patterns of habitual sin and addiction because they cannot identify why they do this. This is where therapy comes in and talking to pastors and inner healing uh, is why it's so important. Because if we cannot identify and learn from our mistakes, we will not be able to fix them in the future and we will continue to hurt the people we love the most. Gotta learn from our mistakes. You see, wisdom does not come from living a mistake-free life. Wisdom comes in one of two ways. We learn from our own mistakes or we learn from the mistakes of others. Some of us are hard-headed, like myself, have to learn the hard way a lot of times in life. But we can also learn from each other. We can learn from people who have walked through hard things. And they're saying, listen, I'll tell this to the teenagers. Listen to Pastor Tyler. Listen to people in your life who have some experience on you, 20, 30 years. When they say, hey, one thing you should do, listen. Write that down. Because what they're doing is they're trying to keep you from making a mistake that they probably still regret to this day. And we can learn from other people's mistakes, but we can also learn from our own failures 
John Dewey says it this way. He says, failure is instructive. The person who really thinks learns quite as much from his failures as from his successes. Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. I love this. In the, this is in the message translation. It says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. This was hope given to the Israelites through the prophet Isaiah when he, when he wrote this. Why? Because the Israelites made so many blunders. God would tell them to do A, B, and C. They would do D, E, and F, and then all of a sudden it would cost them dearly. And you know how easy it would be if you were the Israelites to just kind of beat yourself up? Man, if only we would have done A, B, and C, our lives could be completely different. And so Isaiah said, hey, this is what God's saying to you. Stop rehearsing old history. Stop beating yourself up about it. I'm about to do something new in you that's going to be better. And I believe that's a promise for us. And that's true. Number four, stop focusing on what's wrong with you and start looking at what's right in you. I'm going to say that one more time. Stop focusing on what's wrong with you and start looking at what's right in you. If you do any inner healing course, what that is is just a time of looking through your past and confessing things and getting things off your chest and praying through some things and trying to understand why you behave the way you behave. At some point... You clear all your past out, you get all the junk out, and then it's all about, okay, stop thinking you're a failure. Stop only looking at your past mistakes and start looking at what's right in you. Because we know ourselves, it's so easy to constantly nitpick those little things in our lives that we're the only ones that know and we hate ourselves for. We all have them. But what about the good in you, Christ in you? When God looks at you, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees a righteous saint because he sees Christ in you. That's what the word of God says, that Christ imputed his righteousness onto us at the cross. He justified us, which means just as if I've never sinned. He put his righteousness, his perfect holiness onto us. And that's how God sees us. Yes, does he see our sin? He sure does. But does he see righteousness in us? Yes, because he sees Christ in us. Rick Warren puts it this way. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. I think God wants to set some people free from being a prisoner of their past today. I really do. See, it's very easy to look at what's wrong in us. We know our thoughts. We know our actions. We know our secret desires. And it's easy to focus on those mistakes. But there's a lot right in you. 
Some of you have some of the best hearts of any person on the planet that I've met. You love people deep. You love the Lord. You're here at church, even though it was snowy and slippery this morning. No offense if you stayed home. It's fine. It's good. You can watch from there. There's a lot of good in you. And I'm sorry if no one ever told you that. But God's proud of you. He loves you. He's leading you and he's guiding you. It's like the, we have this Adam and Eve syndrome so many times. We sin, we want to run, we want to hide. And God's like, where are you? Where are you? I just want to be with you. I wired you. I know you. I, I know you have a flesh. I created it. I know it's hard to live in this world and be perfect. That's why I sent my son. Just come be with me. He sees so much more than our sin, church. He sees to the heart. I love that. And that's what God said to Samuel in the Old Testament. He said, don't look at the things man looks at. Look at the heart. I, the, the word says God focuses on the heart. We are not the sum of our bad mistakes. Those are just choices. Just because we've done a few bad things doesn't mean we're bad people. But that's what shame will tell you. So this morning, what I want to do to end this, I want to end this a little bit different. I'm going to have everybody stand. Maybe stretch out a little bit. Got a little too comfortable. There's some lies that we choose to believe about ourselves. And what I want to do as a church corporately I want to choose to not believe certain lies anymore, but to believe the truth of what God says. So what I'm going to do on the screen is I'm going to put a lie up there, and I want us to read together that we choose no longer to believe this lie. I want to declare it together, and then we're going to declare what God says about us. Can we do this this morning? Yes. All right. First, number one, declaration. Ready? I choose not to believe the lie that I'm rejected, unloved, or shameful. In Christ, I'm accepted. We can go to the next slide. God says, I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I've been justified. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's family. I'm a saint, a holy one. I've been adopted as a God's child. I have direct access to God. I've been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am completed in Christ. Come on. Declaration number two. We ready? I choose not to believe the lie that I'm guilty, unprotected, alone, or abandoned. In Christ, I am secure. 
God says, I am free from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for the good. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Come on. Declaration number three. I choose not to believe the lie that I'm worthless, inadequate, helpless, or hopeless. In Christ, I am significant. God says, I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I've been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I'm a temple of God. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I'm God's workmanship created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on. Let's give it up for that. You're free. You're free. I want to sing this next song, this closing song, from a place of freedom this morning. Not guilt, not shame, not, oh, I'm such a bad person, but I barely, you know, can make it. I want you to sing this as a person who believes that God is for them and not against them, that believes they're a saint, that believes they're free from their past this morning. Let's sing this song together.